Thank you for turning in to another episode of The Forge. I'm your host, Josh Gustin. Today's an exciting day for The Forge. I get to introduce to you a friend of mine for the last 12 years or so. I met him when he took over uh, a worship leader position at Conway Church, where he still leads today, um, and joined my time with him, leading others into the presence of God on Sunday mornings for most of those 12 years. He also traveled as a singer-songwriter, sound engineer, and a musician, playing for various artists such as Josh Kaufman, previous winner of The Voice, Island recording artist John McLaughlin, and is it Jackie Velasquez? Yeah, Velasquez. Okay. Uh, He was a 2018 Chris Austin Songwriter Contest winner with his song Honey Baby from his 2017 album The Second Half, and most recently he was a semifinalist for the International Songwriting Competition with his song song for Indiana from his 2019 album, For the Lost and the Letdown. While on the road uh, playing guitar, he bought a camera and started taking pictures. And if I remember correctly, you broke your wrist at one point, right? Yes, this is correct. And he he turned uh, some of his creative focus into uh, photography. Um, And he's traveled the world as a photographer, where he's excelled in breathtaking photos that captured unbelievable moments. He has taken photos for Josh Kaufman, musician and podcast co-host of Dadville, John McLaughlin. He has shot commercial work for Visit Indy, Sun King Brewery, Gen Con, the Indiana Pacers, Patagonia, and local small businesses and large corporate events. His photography was selected for a coffee table book entitled Indianapolis Visions. Space also featured him as one of Indianapolis's top six fine art photographers in 2019. He is one of the best at capturing a moment, whether in music or photography, and conveying the experience. But when it comes down to truly knowing and understanding who he is, I wanted to invite a guest on um, to tell you more about him. My name is Julie Geisen Ritchie, and I'm here to give introduction to today's guest, my husband, Cliff Ritchie. When our paths started crossing eight or nine years ago, one of my first impressions of Cliff was that he was a good representation of the male species. (laughs) And over the years, this still holds true. All the more, really. Cliff is amazingly attuned to the human emotions of any experience and can intelligently communicate this through good conversation or through clever, heartfelt songwriting. Ladies and gentlemen, Cliff Ritchie. Wow. How are you, my friend? I need to do more podcasts if they're like that. <laughs> it's quite a rap sheet, dude. <laughs> I forgot about a lot of that stuff. Um, I was looking at all your stuff, and I was like, man, he's done a lot. So <laughs> man, I wanted is... to make sure to get it all in. Yeah, wow. Because <clears throat> I want people to know who you are. Yeah, well, so, I guess that's it right there. So let's start uh, with your childhood, growing up in the Ritchie household. Where was that, and how did that look? Yeah, um, we moved around a little bit, but... Um, most of our time was in a little town in Ohio uh, called Wyndham, Ohio. Um, and it was, you know, nobody really went anywhere typically, you know, in Wyndham. We just kind of were um, out in the country and, you know, I think we were maybe 40 miles from anything, you know. I think we went to, like, on Easter, we would go to, uh, um, the, oh, man, I can't remember the name of the place. It was like some kind of breakfast place. It was like a Bob Evans, but it was like the local one, you know, that was like a big trip for us. Yeah, um, yeah. but, uh, yeah. So we grew up in this little town and, uh, at some point, um, we moved to Syracuse, New York. I was just telling you a little earlier, uh, as my dad, um, it was kind of interesting. My dad worked, um, in a car factory for a while. He worked at GM and then, um, I don't know exactly when, 
exactly, but I, I was probably maybe five or six or so. Dad put himself through school. He went to Kent State and then got his undergrad. And then he got uh, accepted at Syracuse to get his uh, doctorate oh, that's cool. in uh, economics. So, you know, my time, you say, where are you from? I always say Ohio, but really we kind of moved around a lot until we landed in Indiana. But, um, but yeah, we lived on a five acre plot, very similar to what I'm living now, right next to my grandparents' house who also had another five acre plot. So I kind of had like 10 acres to just go huge playground. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We had woods next door that wasn't ours, but we played in anyways. Um, and, uh, you know, fields that were, you know, um, just, you know, playgrounds for, uh, building forts and, you know, um, we had, you know, there's like a little path that my grandpa had mowed around. So we were just mostly in the weeds, um, especially during allergy season when we would sneeze like crazy. Right, right. right. No. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. Um, so <clears throat> we mentioned all your music attributes and stuff. When did music become a part of who you are? Um, pretty early on. Um, <clears throat> my parents, uh, well, I grew up listening to a lot of decent music um dad had a record player um is that the one in your living room um that was my grandma's actually um and so i'd listen to records on there a little bit but my dad had a better selection (laughs) right right (laughs) i don't i don't even remember what my grandmother played i most of the time probably listened to the radio um on her on her record player but um um so uh grew up listening to a lot of music a lot of um you know i mean billy joel neil diamond um Kenny Rogers, John Denver, um, listened to my dad had a cassette tape along with this record player had like this little, you know, place for the cassette and his sister, when, when my dad was in Vietnam had, she would send over tapes and she would make like mixtapes basically for my dad. And I grew up listening to this mixtape too. And it had some Dylan on it. It had uh, Rod Stewart, I think, um, born to be wild. I, I don't remember who who wrote that one? Anyways, it had a lot of fun stuff on it. Um, so I grew up listening to a lot of music and my parents played a little bit, you know, um, I always, I, they played the hillbilly hymns, you know, so yeah. we, we grew up playing a lot of, you know, the circle being broken. But, um, I remember our, their best friends, they were kind of like our second parents, you know, Diane, right. Diane George, um, they would get together and they would, they would just play these songs and they knew like, you know, four chords, I think. And, uh, um, and I, when I was really little, I would have a tambourine and I just, you know, I mean, I was probably like three years old, you know, probably similar to your son and yeah. just, you know, beating on the tambourine while mom and dad were playing. I'd sing along until I get too late. And then there's a picture. I, I don't know why I'd, I'd sleep in the guitar case every once in a while. I'd fall asleep <laughs> literally in my parents' guitar case. Well, they're, they're really soft. They're <laughs> very soft. They really are. It's a pretty good nap. But, um, but yeah, so I grew up around a little, I, you know, my parents weren't professional musicians or anything, but my dad loves music. My mom loves it too, but dad just, I mean, he just lives and breathes music. He loves just old, you know, old, yeah. uh, uh, you know, old rock and roll. I mean, he's like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, you yeah. know, he just, he, you know, so I grew up hearing a lot of that kind of music. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite things is when you're playing and then there, I love watching them watch you play. Yeah. Like it's just, you can see that they're loving every minute of it. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's always funny. People, you know, you always wonder who's like who's my biggest fan, and I think it might actually be my dad. <laughs> I, I would probably agree with you. Yeah, he's like singing along. You know, I need to have him come up sometime. I don't know why I have 
but I, I need to have him come up sometime and play some with me. I think he'd probably do it. He's got a nice voice. And he's probably Julie, ju- jealous of Julie now since she yeah. her sing a song with oh, you, yeah. which yeah. was amazing, by the way. Yeah, she can sing. Like, she, it was. Yeah. I had no clue, and I was like, we were just mm-hmm. both surprised when it happened. So it was awesome. And she it, gave a little yodel, and that was like, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that whole devil. That yeah, that's yeah, it really was great. Good. Yeah, that's a fun one to sing. Yeah, it's been it's been a cool journey with her. You know, exploring her voice and just the confidence that it takes sometimes you know and that and i'll even say as far as my musical journey like you know kind of what i'm learning as i get older and i'm i'm kind of working you know with my kids singing you know and then jules especially singing um i guess i had no idea that it is so hard to sing for people you know you kind of grow up sometimes and and i just like um it was just always there you know it wasn't yeah. anything different than walking you know i just kind of always sang even when i was little you know I'd, I'd go sing it my grandma worked at um we called it the center it was like an old folks place where you know people would come and get their meals and again you know the town we lived in was was actually a fairly poor town yeah so grandma worked with this church that worked at the center and uh they'd do meals for for some of the older people and i would get up they had a stage there and somehow i don't remember why but i would or how it started but maybe my grandma told me to get up on stage and start singing for everybody and uh and i'd get up there and i'd sing songs and uh do you remember what songs gosh i mean it was probably you know church songs i mean it might have been some john denver um but uh but likely church songs somewhere like that um and when i was done i would walk through and the old people would give me like quarters and nickels and stuff oh, that's awesome so, you'd love that yeah yeah it was great i mean as a little kid a quarter is a big deal yeah. you know i mean that gets all kind of, well back then at least you could get gum and, right you know, and then you felt like wow i've just made money you know yeah was, for real that's such a big deal tell you how to panhandle early on that's right that nice. yeah yeah well i thought some something fun we could do is um run through your soul albums and maybe talk about some of your favorite songs from each album okay. that i remember anyways now sure. I, I know you're part of a group called am drive and fisher's net yeah. before this yeah um many we're, moons ago many moons ago um and that's probably the first time i ever saw you play was in those bands but i didn't know who you were oh you saw i didn't know you saw those yeah bands. i saw those ba- I, I remember them distinctly especially when um nate bennett played with you oh, he, he was in so what am drive he was in both. Oh, he was in both. Okay. Yeah, he was just like in high school when he was in when I played with that band Fisher's Net. Uh-huh. He was literally in high school when he started. We, okay. He quit quit high school. Well, he like homeschooled, and then he would travel with us. Oh, that's awesome! I yeah, didn't he, know that. Yeah, he didn't love high school that much, so he. I yeah, can see that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. None of us did really, but right, um, right. But yeah, he homeschooled the last I think two years of his um, because we were all in college and. Uh, and he's such a good bass player. Yeah. And uh, I'd been playing with him since he was in junior high. Oh, wow. So, um, okay. yeah, he just, when I got into college and started this band, I was like, I'm calling Nate because he's, he's the best. So who all else was in that band, those bands? Um, the very first you know, band, it was like, went through several kind of iterations. But uh, the first, uh, it was uh, Nate Bennett, Andy, Andy uh, LeMaster was his name, and then Jeff McLaughlin who is John's brother. Sarah's husband, right? Sarah's husband, okay. yes, okay. that's right. And then my buddy Darren Potuck was in that band. And then, um, I don't know, that was like two or three years. Um, and then at some point there was a guy, Mike Cook, was in the band for a little, for a little bit of time. And then we sort of changed names. Um, a couple of the guys switched out a little bit. We changed to AM Drive. And then um, in that band was Andy Grooms, who is a great drummer really good drummer too um 
And so it was me, Nate, Andy, uh, and uh, Darren in AM Drive. That okay. was, you know, that made it, what made up AM Drive. So when was the last time you played with AM Drive? Oh, man. Last show was at Taylor University. I think it was our farewell, so and we opened up for Switchfoot. Okay, um, I bet I think I was at that concert. Were you really? Yeah, yeah. That was a. I've seen them there a lot, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure you were there when that. I'm pretty sure I was there at that one. Yeah, so. we played with them a couple different times. They were so cool, um, and yeah, we played our last show at Taylor Taylor University. I think there might have been like one other little show, but that was like the big kind of farewell. It was yeah. like our, you know, That's cool. like hometown kind of a feel to it, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. cool. Well, let, let's start with uh, this is front from 2004. Uh, one of my favorite songs on it, but it's not my all-time favorite of yours. I'll save that for later. But okay. what's what's your favorite song off of that album? Of this is front. Oh man, I mean, you're you're assuming that I know the the list of songs. Um, <laughs> I think on that record was a song called "In the End." Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and um, I love love that one. That was um, I was really um, excited about. I kind of went through this period where well usually in on a record i try to write some things that are somewhat straightforward you know that is somewhat accessible and then i allow myself the time and the freedom to write stuff that i really want to write that's a little bit more that's maybe a little more uh metaphorical and poetic yeah and that just has a ton of chord changes um, <laughs> yeah you do that in a lot of them yeah and so uh that one is one of my favorite songs and it feels very um and honestly it it really came together when my buddy lonnie put the piano part and i don't remember i think he just made that part up so a lot of times i'll have some ideas but i'm pretty sure he he just put that piano part in there but that da da yep. da 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 yep it just feels like very cinematic and um but so that's probably my favorite song on that on that record mine is definitely pleasant dreams off that album oh like, yeah i love that one you you play it for most shows that i come to and yeah. i appreciate it yeah uh, my mm-hmm. friend quinn wright introduced me to that song years ago he's a kid from cal and, and like I, I mean he's younger than me and he was like there's this guy in am drive now he play, he's got this song his name's cliff richie and he plays this song and he introduced it to me and i like i loved it when he played it yeah so then when you became the worship leader at our church i was like i know this guy <laughs> like, it, was, it yeah. was awesome i was like this is gonna be great you know yeah. kind of a thing all right so moving up to 2006 with all kidding aside all kidding aside oh man by the way you look really young on that cover i know (laughs) that's because i look really old now (laughs) No, no. i I was like is he in high school in this photo yeah no well luckily i've always looked about 10 years younger right you know which was terrible in high school because i looked like i was in you know sixth grade right i remember coming here to anderson or when we moved to Indiana, the uh, uh, the, the uh, principal was telling us, you know, showing us around the high school, and he was like, "And we have a great junior high." And my dad had to say, "Well, my both my sons are in high school." <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> it's like how it went, but nowadays it's like great. I'm like, "Oh, that's great." Now it's like not quite as bad, but uh, um, man, that record. Uh, see, that has. Um, Woke up from a dream quite designed. Uh that's got rise and shine on it. Mm-hmm. Um, um Well maybe I should say that one since that's the one that came to my mind. I it also I think that one was Stranger on that record. Let's see here. 
Keep It Simple was on that record. Keep It Simple? No. No, Keep It Simple wasn't. Uh, changing. Yep. Uh, for a while, here I am. Silence filled the room. Jessica, she Ooh, was mine. Jessica. Around mm. the world in love. Mm-hmm. I love your eyes. Sell away. I sing for you. That's my favorite on that one. Yeah. Uh, probably because you played that the most out live. I, yeah, I did play that uh, one. Rise and shine. Yeah. And keep it simple. Yeah, I'd say rise and shine or um, uh, uh, what was the first what, uh, when the first ones you said? We should read the list again. Sorry, yeah, I don't remember. Let's see here. Keep it simple. Rise and shine. Oh, Jessica. Jessica. That one might be my favorite. Who's Jessica? Uh, Jessica is really nobody. I mean, it's like not a real person. Um, so that song is about, um, it was when New Orleans, you know, had the big flooding. Katrina. Katrina. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the floods and they just wiped out the whole town. I remember watching uh, a story on the news about like some of the older people were, were staying like with their homes. And a lot of people were kind of like ridiculing them saying like, what are they doing? What are they, you know, why won't they leave? These stubborn people are staying with their homes. And I just remember thinking, I I don't know why I just like got sort of like moved by the people that chose to stay. And and I I don't know, sometimes in my songs, I feel like I want to like defend people or give them a voice. Yeah. So that story is about, um, I just, a fictitious couple that decided to stay with their home. And, uh, this particular person was an older man who, and as you listen to the song, you find out that his wife had passed away and he was like, okay with whatever was going to happen. And so it's a really kind of sad song because during the song, he's sort of like waiting to, to die and he's waiting to pass away. Um, but, uh. You know, I think some of the struggles with some of the older people there were they'd been in the house for, you know, 60, 70 years. They'd never been anywhere else. You know, they're not like, you know, a certain generation didn't, don't, they don't travel like we do. You know, we're like, yeah. you know, we go to spring break, we go to Utah or California or whatever. You go to Europe, you know, but I think there was a generation, our grandparents' generation, like my grandparents didn't go anywhere. Um, if they went to Pennsylvania to visit family, that was like a really big deal. Right. And so the, you know, the Jessica in the song, uh, was his wife and she had passed and, and this gentleman, you know, I imagined had never been away from his home before. And so just like packing up and leaving, right. you know, not everybody has somewhere to go. Right. Especially without your wife that you lost. Yeah. yeah. Right. I wouldn't want to go anywhere either. Yeah. So it's yeah. a really sad song, but it was like, I was feeling so much emotion for, uh, I was feeling so much emotion for some of the people that, you know, I kind of gave them a voice. And so, okay, well, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I like it when people do that. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next album, seven years later, was Seasons. What happened in those seven years, man? Oh, man. <laughs> well, a lot. Um, probably not a lot that I'll say too much about. But um, You probably had kids in that time. I did have kids, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A lot was, the you know, just having kids. and uh, What's their names? Cove and uh, Bella are my two kids and uh yeah so uh yeah i was being a dad and uh that was kind of during the time where you know i was i i think i had my son before i was done playing i know that before i was done playing with john i never remember who i played with you know after am drive i started doing some solo stuff and then i jumped on the road with jackie for a, about a year and then john was about six months or so i did his first tour with ireland yeah when when we were he was there so i remember having cove at that point but after john's tour um was really the last time i you know did anything too serious with music you know up until you know i've kind of been playing a little bit more lately but right, um right. 
so yeah, during that time, I kind of felt like I had two kids, and I'd actually gotten offers to play with some bigger of the Christian acts. I'd, I'd been called by a couple, yeah, couple guys that are. Do you pre- want to throw any names out there? <laughs> um, I did get a call from uh, see one of the DC Talk guys. What's his name? Toby Mac. Wasn't Toby? Uh, Michael Tate. Yeah, Michael Tate. Yeah. Michael Tate called me. It was really funny because he was like, uh, "This Glibridge." I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "This is Michael Tate." I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> okay." He's like, uh, "Just uh, interviewing people to be in my band, you know." So he was starting. I don't know what band it was, but um, I kind of got the feeling his music was a little bit more heavier than I was probably. Yeah. You know, um, you're so, liking. Yeah, I just kind of skipped on that one, and the other guy was. He's a worship leader, uh, or he did worship music. Not Chris Tomlin. He was like one of those guys. He wore a baseball cap. He was. He's really. He was like really popular. Baseball cap. David Crowder wore some sometimes. Not Crowder. It was. Um, did he do worship music? It was kind of like heavy rock music. I'm blanking. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. Anyways. But his tour was like a hundred, and actually, this is kind of a funny story. So I got called to go try out for this for the for his band. Um, maybe like maybe afterwards we can figure out what it is. Um, and I actually talked to Bill Gaither because I was working at the studio at the time, yeah. and I had kids, and I was debating on doing it because I think it was like a hundred and sixty dates, or it was a lot. It was a lot of dates. Yeah. And I I don't know why I was talking with Bill. I. I used to make these CDs for him uh, of like um, classical music. Like he had a bunch of, yeah. you know, and I'd make these discs for him. And so I'd see him every once in a while. We'd talk, we'd get to talk about music. And I'd showed him some of my music as well. Um, and uh, and I said, Bill, I got a question to ask you. I said, I just got an offer by this kid. Uh, man, it's going to drive me crazy. You'd know who he was. He's like, yeah. He was like, he's like really big for a minute. Um, I'm sure you'll say it, and I'm like, oh, I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, I said I get this offer, and he said, how many dates is it? That's the first question he said, and I was like, it's 160 or 100, whatever. He goes, too many. He's like, don't do it. Yeah. He's like, you'll be too far, too much away from your family, and I've just watched it happen too many times. He's like, just pass. Yeah, and that's so, good advice. Yeah, I did. I passed on it, and then. Um, yeah, soon later I, I I started shooting photos and I'll remember another thing is I I when I started I shot a lot of musicians and then I'd photograph uh, uh weddings every once in a while too and Rob Allen's wedding. Um Man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. He's back. Is he really? He's back in Indy. Yeah, I just found out. Wow, I did not know that. I'm very excited. Scott Vance and I were just talking about him the other day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I photographed his wedding. Matt Carter actually um did the wedding. Yeah, I remember also. That. But um Anyways, I'd already told Rob I would do his wedding, and then John called me to do... It was like a Lollapalooza festival. It was one of the one in Chicago. Is it Lollapalooza or some of those? That's something up there, yeah. Yeah, one of those. Anyways, and I remember that was like distinctively, it's like, well, I guess I'm not a musician anymore. You know, it's oh, like, it's time to move on. It was right. like, um, it just felt like uh, the right move. I was going to be around with my kids, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to move to Nashville and, and do that. It just wasn't for me. Um, yeah. but, uh, so yeah, I sold all my gear, um, sold most of it. Actually, I kept my acoustics, I think in my two electrics, but I sold my amps and everything and decided it was time to be a photographer and a dad. So is there a piece of equipment that you sold that you wish you still had? Um, 
well, I miss all of them. I sold, a, I sold the Rivera knucklehead. That was cool. And I had an old silver tone head too. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. I had a really, really cool, cool silver tone. Um, and then at some point before that I sold my, my guild, it was a 335. It was a guild starfire, but yeah. it, it was kind of like that 335 body semi hot or semi hollow body style. Right. And that was a cool guitar. But, yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, Marcus King plays a lot of silver hollow bodies. Mm. And man, they sound so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he rips. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And they're, they're, they're cheaper than the Gibsons and they sound just as good. I played that one next to a, a Gibson 335 and I liked the, the guild better. Um, and, and so I, yeah. I missed that guitar. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not really a gear guy too much. I just kind of keep typically what I have and, uh, um, yeah, I've got to the point where it's like, if I don't use it, I'm getting rid of it. Yeah. And so I sold my Martin a long time ago. And you yeah. know how I feel about Martins. And I yeah. went to Sweetwater, you know, what, three or four months ago. And I was like, all right. I picked up a Taylor, a Gibson, and a Martin all around the same price point. And I played all of them for an hour, played the same thing on each of them. And I ended up buying a Taylor, which I always said I never would. Really? Oh, man. I'm still, like, ashamed of myself for saying this and doing this. <laughs> like, I just, I can't believe how, like, good it sounds. Like, it was just, I was like, man, I can't, I literally, I'm checking out. And the guy goes, oh, I like Taylors. And I go, I hate them. I was like, I can't believe I'm buying this right now. And he just started laughing. So. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh. There are some good tailors out there for sure, but there's just a lot of tailors that I don't feel like are you like great. any acoustic instrument. You have to play a bunch of them to find the one that has the right sound that you like. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, like I could play the same tailor at Sight and Sound, you know, three or four of them. They're all going to sound different, but if it sounds good to you, that's really all that matters. Yeah, for sure. So back to seasons in 2013. Okay. Do you need a list of those? Oh gosh, seasons. Uh, no place, take me from this pain. Trying to believe, baby, come on. Song for Bella, Little Cove, Diamonds, oh, Still a Love for You. Uh, yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, not too many people know that one. That was actually a hidden track on that record. Which I, uh, one? The Still a Love. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was like funny. really late after the ending. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that used to be a thing. Sometimes you'd get yeah. like a hidden track. Right, you know, I remember that. And that people might not get it until one day they just randomly left it play, and yeah. then there's this extra song that they That's never. That's back heard. when CDs were popular. That's probably. right. Yeah, it was only works on a CD. <laughs> right. Um, now it's like, oh, it's number eight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think there's like on the song before there's like you know five minutes of empty, yeah. nothing before it, but um, um. I mean, No Place is a really fun song to play. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite one off the album. Yeah, um, but I I'd probably say Song for Bella is the most meaningful song. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, Cove's song as well. Um, I I tend to play Bella's a little bit more because I feel like it's it's better constructed. Yeah. Um, and and I love Cove's song as well, but uh, I feel like the lyrics in Bella's song were just they're just it's their daughter you know and talk about getting married right. and everything so so how do your kids feel about their songs um well it's it's, it's really interesting um I, they like them they love them you know but I know Bella, for Bella it, they make her sad a lot, of, a lot of the songs I write for her and I don't know if it's like more of a cause it's not a sad song right but it does sort of bring a little bit of a sadness I think um so I think she loves them but, you know, she feels, it makes her feel a lot. 
Oh, they're definitely Phil songs for sure. Yeah. Like I, sure. I feel them, and I don't even have a daughter, but yeah. <laughs> like I can only imagine like who my son's going to marry one day, and the, mm-hmm. his her parents going through those emotions. So like yeah. I get emotional about it. Right. So. Yeah. What about Cove? Is he just like eh, it's about songs about me? Cove likes everything. He's just like Cove is just stoked about all of life. So yeah. you know he's kind of a yes person. Oh so, yeah. I mean, just like Cove, do you, you want to try sushi? Yes. <laughs> Cove, what do you think about this? I like it. You know, Cove, how was your day? Awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just sort of his his disposition is very cheery and loves everything. Um, yeah. So I think he likes it. You know, I think he, you know, feels special and, you know, so. But they, they're so funny. They're in high school now. And, I, you know, everybody always talks about your kids going to high school and then, like, then you lose them and then they don't want to talk to you or whatever. And I don't know what people are talking about because my kids are so different. I mean, they, like, we're at... I, I kind of feel like they're going to get tired of hearing my songs or whatever, but we were just playing and, uh, uh, we were in Colorado and I was doing this little house show and I always like on our trips and stuff, I try not to do any work related stuff, you know, but, um, because gas prices are insane right now and I bought a new fireplace, I was like, maybe I should play a, a show and see if we can make money for right, the trip, right. you know, cause yeah. it's like, I can go places and, and, and pay for them, you know, by playing a show or shooting some photos. Um, so anyways, this one, I'm in an exception and it was so funny. They sat front, front row and they sang the whole time. And I was like, I was like, are you guys, I go, I always feel bad about playing. They're like, dad, we'd love to hear your songs. They're like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. They're like, oh, they're letting them rip too. They're not holding they, back. They might be your biggest fans. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> they are. They're definitely singing all the songs. That's for sure. That's awesome. All right. We're going to get to 2017. This is my favorite album of yours. Really? Okay. Yeah. The second half. There's just a lot of yeah. storytelling on this album. Yep. And I love it so much. My favorite song, mm-hmm. my favorite song of yours yeah. is My Way Back to You. Oh, yeah. I love this song. And hmm. recently, um, there's a guy named Carlos Whittaker. Mm-hmm. He's on Instagram. He's from Nashville. He's a, he used to be a Christian worship leader, singer, had an album. Um, now he's a, a book writer, mm-hmm. um, an author. Um, and he is like very popular on Instagram. Okay. Lost Wit is his handle. And he has a father that has dementia mm-hmm. or Alzheimer's. I'm not sure which it is, but yeah. recently he shared like a story of his mom calling him saying his dad didn't remember just talking to him. Yeah. And it like, it's been coming on for a while and they know it's coming on, but it got to the point this time where like, he like it hit him hard. And so like to the point where he lives in Nashville, his parents live in Atlanta, Georgia. So he decided I'm just going to drive and go see my dad. Mm-hmm. And he drove down to see him. And as soon as like he got there and his dad started talking to him, he's like, who am I dad? And he goes, our friend and he goes i'm your son he goes oh yes my son he starts hugging him oh, and like gosh you can just like when his dad says my son you can just like feel like oh it's my son like he remember like mm-hmm. like it just takes him a while to make his way back to him yeah and so i shared this song with him oh, i direct messaged it to him on instagram yeah. and he replied back and he just said this is a beautiful song i may right. share it as at the right moment Wow. So, wow. So, like, I don't know. Like, it's just a great song. And, like, I grew up in a, um, I had a grandmother that wasn't my grandmother, Mm -hmm. but um, she had a home where we would go and she would watch us or whatever. But she had three to four um, people, older adults that lived in her home that all had Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And so I got to see firsthand from like eight till I was like, you know, I think she passed away when I was like, 35 mm-hmm. but i got to see like her take care of these patients who like when they got there 
they knew who you were, but by the end, sometimes they couldn't even talk and they just didn't remember who you were. And so this song always makes me think of those times and how grateful I was that I got to be a part of those people's lives and help take care of them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Alzheimer's is, it's a really terrible, um, disease. I mean, it just is, it really hits people hard. You know, the person obviously who is you know, uh, experiencing it, but it really hurts the families. I mean, it's just such a hard thing. Yeah. But it, that's what that song's about, right? The yeah. story like that. We yeah. had, a, you had a neighbor. No, I worked uh, for a little while. Um, I was doing some, I worked for home instead home care. Okay. Um, I, I just wanted to work with patients. I don't know. I was, I was still, you know, doing photography and stuff. I probably wasn't playing music quite as much then, but um, Jules, I remember, got a job there working when she first moved up here um, with my buddy. My buddy Joe owns owns the one around here, and uh, and I was like, Joe, I want to, I, I kind of want to to work as well. I was like, can you know, what do I got to do to? You know, like, and we just got to talking about it, and he was saying how a lot of the Alzheimer's patients like they respond to music quite a bit, and that was what I'd read before. Yeah, and that's so in your I, wheelhouse because you know all their songs they probably like. That's right. Yeah, so um, I got a job with them. It was really just just to go hang out with, uh, uh, with the clients. Um, but I had a guy, um, and, uh, his name was Jerry and, uh, he was like stage four, maybe Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. which is not good. It's, um, he, you know, he's, you know, he needs full-time care. Um, and, uh, but I bring my guitar and his wife would sometimes be there and we'd sit out in their living room and we'd play some of the old hymns and, uh, he would come back Jerry would come back whenever we'd sing those songs and, uh, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't last for super long, uh, but you know, he right. could remember things. Um, and yeah, Jerry, him and his family that inspired the song. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What was, is that one of your favorite songs there or is, or is that honey baby? Oh no. That's like your award winning song <laughs> yeah. that got you to play at Mural Fest, right? Yeah. That song yeah. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that song. I mean, it's funny. I haven't been playing it lately, but I'm glad you reminded me. Sometimes I forget. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but I forget what songs I wrote. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that song. Um, I'm trying to think of other songs. I know that um, I really like the song Fair Maiden Lady. And I, I, always, yeah. I always like the stuff. Again, the Fair Maiden Lady song was one for me. Um, and it's, um, it's a you know, the progression's different. The melody's different. And it's an allegory. And I don't think too many people write allegories these days in songs. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I, I tend to like sort of, I sort of cherish the songs that are more more complex you know but um i tend to i'm more drawn to those kind of songs because it it feels like more difficult sometimes although that's probably not true i think that one was just a it i you know kind of started hearing it or whatever and you know but uh i like the metaphor in it i don't know that it's you know a, a great song for everybody because um uh, it's a little deeper and, you know, it takes more listens to get what's going on, but, um, it's sort of a, you know, it's an allegory and it's, it's reflective of, you know, my relationship with Jules. It's a little bit about us, you know, all of our songs, you know, right after Jules, so there's always, <laughs> right. They're partially inspired by, you know, our relationship, but, um, it's, I like it because there's some psychology in it, you know, it's about, you know, men, how men operate and how women typically operate. And, you know, there's like a beautiful ending where, you know, I, I, it's kind of hard to explain unless you hear it, but you know, the oh, last, I'm, I'm going to link all the songs to okay. talk about. Yeah. So, 
the last ending of it is um, with her feet on the ground, his the sky, you know, um, and it's you know about getting lost in your own business and your own thing, and the 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 female character is floating around sort of in the clouds, but she's forgotten like her home because she's very dreamy and like she has these um, ideals, and uh, and the the male character is um, his feet get caught in the furrows, like he's he's plowing a field, and but he's always looking down, and he's just gotten stuck in his own way. So it's a metaphor for that. Yeah. And then you know his toils and whatever cause him to fall and then he's you know all of a sudden he's on the ground and then he sees something in the sky and and you know she hears this cry from down below and it like like gets her notice you know she notices the sound that she so she comes down from the clouds and she sees this man but and then they you know her eyes had never or his eyes had not seen so much beauty uh her heart had felt had not felt such delight for the two had known only their uh, sorrows um and then it came to the worlds would collide and their love would reside with uh uh, with her feet on the ground, his the skies. So it's kind of like this. Um, it's a story about you know men and women and, and their how they operate and um, there's some kind of um, I guess like uh, just sort of story about um, how we can be you know, as opposed to sort of maybe how we um, tend to be. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Your latest album was for the lost and the let down in 2019. Yeah. There's a bunch of good songs on here. It's probably close to my second favorite yeah. album. Yeah. Um, I feel like everyone is going to say song for Indiana is their favorite. <laughs> and like, yeah. I think for those that are your friends and live around you, like right. it hits a little deeper yeah. because we know all the people you're talking about. Yeah. And so I would just encourage people to like change the names to people that you care about that have left or, you know, or you, you've left somewhere else. Yeah. Um, my favorite song on that. And you talk about your chord complexities and all that is beautiful lover. Oh, like wow. there's just so much going on to that in that <laughs> song. And it all makes sense. Like in a beautiful way and i love that yeah. song yeah that one's that one's heavy yeah i always joke whenever i play shows that because that one's a it comes out of left field like i said i always yeah. i put one song on every record that's gonna be weird um and uh that was definitely the weird one um who inspires those songs in you uh that particular song um i can only imagine i i, I remember when i was trying to describe it to some friends of mine and i said it was like Django reinhardt and uh the band you know muse mm-hmm. it was like they had a, a baby together and that's what came of it because the vocals feel very like i sing it very much so like uh i don't know the lead singer's name in muse but um it, it feels like where where i'm putting it in my in my voice you know it feels a little bit like his melody type and and because it's kind of like this rock kind of sounding melody yeah um but the chord changes are more like uh Django reinhardt like a gypsy jazz you know that it's got a lot of like um rhythm to it um yeah. and the chords just never stop again never was, they just keep changing changing i was like yeah. i could never learn this song <laughs> well there's yeah there's part of me i'm not like really trying to 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 add that many it's just sometimes like it really more what it is is like that's what I'm feeling. And most of the time I'm not playing all of the chords I want to play in a song. You know, I have to force myself just to do the three, you know, like yeah. song for Indiana is just, you know, four chords. Um, I kind of have to stop, you know, but, but really what I want to do is I, I like to, uh, take the melody, let the melody kind of keep going and, 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 uh, change the voicings of how I do the, you know, how I'm playing the chords. Um, but, and that one changes key on the chorus. And so, I tried to count it up one time, but I think I lost count at like 20, I think different chord changes in there because there's a key change, and yeah. it, you know, and each key has a lot of chords in it. Right. Right. 
But um, I like that one too. That's another, you know, um, fun one. Again, I don't trying to remember exactly what was all on that record. You're gonna have to remind me. I'm sorry. You're fine. Let's see here. Uh, we got uh, Remember Back Then. Oh, yeah. One More Night. Ooh, that's my favorite. You Gotta Go, Babe. John yeah. Thomas. Beautiful Lover. Yeah. Gotta Find a Melody. Yeah. Alone I'm at 34. Song for Merlefest. Yeah. Peace of Mind. And Song for Indiana. I'm gonna go One More Night. That's yeah. Uh, that may be my fa- favorite all-time song that I've written. Yeah? I, I think really? Yeah, I think it's, I think, well, in my opinion, I think it's the best song that I've written as far as, I mean, as far as my, it kind of hits all of the things that I like. You know, if I could sum it up and say this one song that it feels like I'm most proud of, it's that one because, um, it, to me, it feels like it still communicates a pretty clear message, um, but uh, there's a lot of changes in it still, and I don't know, there's something about that song. I know it's not one that a lot of people really mention, um, and maybe maybe, maybe I didn't write it as clear as I thought it would. I, I, I wrote it, you know, but uh, it's always my favorite to play, um, and it's like, a, it's a sad song, which of course I like sad songs too, yeah. um, and there's some different changes in there, and the, I really love the melody on the chorus. Um, and, uh, uh, especially with Josh's harmonies following. He's so good. Yeah. It's just, uh, it just walks down the scale, but it's, it's like so simple, but so is, cool. is that the one where he put all the voices on it? Um, or is that beautiful lover? That's beautiful lover. Man. I remember like, you showed a video club of uh, just adding on. I was like, that's all Josh. And you're like, yep. I was like, yep. man, that dude is. Yep. And then he went on the voice and I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is, yeah. He's good. so good. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to some fun questions. We've talked about your music career and a little bit of your photography. Um, you can visit him at Cliff Rifchi Art on Facebook and see all the stuff that he's done there. Um, and he also has a website that you can look at, too. I'll link all those in the description of this so they can check you out through your journey of music and life and everything. Um, is there any guys um, in your life that you leaned on in hard times and good times or something that really like gave you a lot of wisdom throughout life? Um, man, wisdom. Oh, I don't have too many friends with wisdom. No, <laughs> uh, no. Um, you know, I mean, I would say I, you know, through the hard times, you know, I had for sure some years of really difficult times. Um, I think what my guy friends did for me was just like sort of be around and honestly make me laugh. Um, yeah. that was probably what I needed most from them. Um, and just, you know, some confirmation about like life decisions, you know, but, uh, my buddy, Jim gray, um, he was just great during that time for me. Um, Matt Carter was so great during that time. And, you know, mostly they just listened and, you know, and, you know, but probably the person who gave me the most wisdom was my, my counselor actually. Um, yeah. his name's Lee, uh, Lee Griffith. And he is such a wise person. Oh my gosh. I would be in so much trouble if it weren't for Lee. <laughs> yeah. Counselors are like some of the best, like I yeah. love my counselor, David Smith. He's mm-hmm. like one of the best around here oh, for I know, me. David. I love that dude. Yeah, he's um, he's helping through a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. He's a really good guy. Yeah. It, yeah. I would say that most of my intuitions in life are, um, about just relationships and stuff for just wrong. <laughs> and Lee is just really good at helping, helping you, um, kind of set up to be your, the best version of yourself. At least, you know, he really helped me through, uh, um, just, you know, my past and just hard times and just, um, yeah, if I have a question about anything, um, I, I, I call Lee, um, 
But, uh, and if it's not, you know, that's the deep stuff. And if it's nothing super deep necessarily, and it's just like, uh, um, you know, my dad actually, he's such a great guy to talk to because he's got no, you know, he's not necessarily, you know, he's not going to break out some tissues and cry, you know, he's just going to tell you what to do. (laughs) And sometimes you need that, you know, my dad, you know, he's very straightforward and be like, you know, I remember one time in college, I was worried. I thought I was, you know, I was something, I can't remember what it was. I was something sick about something. I was really nervous about it being something terrible. And I can't remember what he said. He just like looked at me and he was like, it's not what it is. Get, you know, move on. You know, that was it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And that was it. I was like, okay, great. I never thought about it yeah, again. Sometimes dad, we just need to hear that. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to hear from your dad. Like, oh, you're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. You're right. Yeah. You're not, you're thinking you're worrying too much. It's, it's no big deal. You know, and for some reason that works for me. If it comes from my dad, I'm like, okay, well, dad says it's, you know, not to worry about it, then it's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Your buddy, John McLaughlin, um, he co-hosts a podcast with Dave Barnes called Dadville. Yeah. And they ask this question to everybody they interview at the end of the question. It's, It's pretty deep and sometimes it catches people off guard and they're like, oh, but I love it. If you died today, what would you want your friends, family, or kids to say about you or remember about you most? Oh, man. Um, I do know this podcast and I've, I've heard this before. There's been a lot of really cool answers. Um, oh man, this gets pretty personal. Um, I would, I would say, I think it would be, it'd be cool if, 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 um, they said, you know, Cliff, he was like this somewhat gifted person. He was unique. Um, and, uh, I, but of all of his gifts and sort of talents that maybe people knew him for, you know, that, uh, um, the best, uh, his most biggest gift was like how he loved his family. Like that it was like the best dad, I think, and husband that would be like, uh, you know, cause I feel like, you know, people sort of around here, at least not, I mean, not very many people know me, but the people around here know me for certain things. Cause I'm, it's very clear, <laughs> very clear what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Right, and, right. You know, I'm kind of like, you know, really into things and, and get very serious with them or I just, I can't do certain things. Um, but I feel like, um, you know, the thing that I care about the most is, is my kids and like the life here that we have and, and Jules and, and that would be like honorable. I would love, you know, I feel like that would be a very beautiful thing to be known for. It was like, you know, like he was, yeah, he was, he could do certain things. He was good at music maybe, or he was a good photographer, artist or whatever. But the best of all was how he raised his kids and, and he was a good husband. Like yeah. that to me feels like that's what comes to mind. First thing that comes to mind. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Appreciate you taking the time out yep, um, to just sit down with me and do this. And hopefully we can just hang out more outside of this. Yes, please. So well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the forge. Um, tune in next time. We'll see you then. Thank you.